What's the worst part about breaking four tackles and running into the end zone for the game-winning touchdown? Not having your Wayfair still with you to protect your eyes from all the flashbulbs. Sounders, keep your shades anchored and where they belong during life's greatest feats. Head to soundergoods.com and use promo code KTTC to get 10% off and free shipping with any order. You're listening to the Keefe to the City Podcast. Here's Neil Keith. All right, so the holiday season is over for the year, and uh, along with the holiday season, the Winter Classic has come and gone, and the road to the Winter Classic, uh, the epic series uh, that used to be on HBO, has also come to an end with the final episode uh, post-Winter Classic airing on Tuesday night. And uh, we talked um, about the show after the first episode, and then the next two episodes happened to come uh, right around Christmas Eve and Christmas, and the second, and then the third one comes uh, New Year's Eve, New Year. So it's a bad timing with the, with the dates of the show this season. But uh, we talk again, once again, about the show and the Blackhawks and the NHL and the Winter Classic with Ryan Brandell of Barstool Sports Chicago. You know him as Barstool Chief on the site. Ryan, how's it going today? It's going pretty well. It's a chilly day here in Chicago. Uh, pretty much everything shut down, so I'm free for uh, free for podcast. <laughs> I I know it's, it's cold here in New York too, but I didn't check the uh, Chicago weather. I did see it the other day. I saw the forecast because uh, it was a year ago today that I left to go out there for the uh, the Rangers Blackhawks game, and uh, or a year ago tomorrow. And uh, I looked and I saw it, it's way colder. Last year when I went there, it was my first trip there, and, and it wasn't as cold as everyone made it out to be. But yeah, it looks like it's it's way more cold this January than it was last. Yeah, I want to say it was uh, it was like four degrees um, when I woke up, and it's bright and sunny, but a little bit of wind. So I think we're sub zero uh, with wind chill factor as usual out here. So uh, so yeah, it's cold. So I, you know, everybody's working from home, so I'm available. So let's uh, get after it. That's pretty good that it it gets cold. You get to work from home. So I I mean, growing up in Connecticut, uh, when there was snow in the forecast, I was like. You know, I pretend as a meteorologist, just hoping for school cancellation. So for you guys, it must be—I don't know. Do you do you look forward to the to the frigid temperatures so you get to work from home, or does it just ruin everything? No, else it's life? one of those things where it's like, why am I living here? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it, it's it's that cold. Like I ran out for a Chipotle and uh, for lunch. I'm like, you know, like you're having a hard time getting your car started. Like the whole and Chipotle needs to start delivering. Like enough <laughs> is enough. You guys have been around for a while. Bring it to my doorstep. Um, but that's, we could talk about that maybe some other time. But yeah, no, it, it's the winters. Last year was absolutely miserable, and then you kind of forget because the summers here are so awesome. And uh, now it's like kind of a harsh reminder. It's that time of year where January, February, March are are pretty brutal. Yeah, and I think because uh, I went to school in Boston for college, and in uh, Boston was weird because you get there. Uh, it's September, and you really have like one or two nice weeks, and then it starts to get pretty cold, and then it's it sucks during the winter, and then when you leave to go home for the summer, it's when it really starts to get nice out in April and May, and I feel like Chicago's along that same line, and obviously there's a lot more to do in Chicago. It's a much bigger city. It's not as small as Boston, but it, it does have that appeal where in the summers it seems like it's such a great place to be, but for the majority of the time there, it's just it's just awful and freezing. Yeah, they say that- the old joke is that if it was summer year-round, Chicago would have 30 million people because <laughs> it, it is it is so awesome. 
Uh, you got the, the lake, you know, the big lake, uh, Lake Michigan, nice, you know, beaches like tucked right into the city that I feel like people outside the city might not know about, but that's a good hangout spot in the summer. And, uh, there's just, everybody's got a rooftop and a roof deck and it's, I don't know, it's a, and it doesn't get like too humid either. It's just like kind of hot and you always have a nice breeze coming off the lake and it's, it's, it's beautiful in Chicago in the summer. Well, uh, we look at this uh, final episode of the show, uh, the Road to the Winter Classic, and uh, and and Joel Quenville over the last you know four weeks or three weeks, however long, or four episodes, four weeks, this show has been on, has has become my favorite person in the entire NHL, and he's just <laughs> <laughs> the guy is just welcome to the club. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I know last time we talked a few weeks ago, we talked about how. No one has really, you know, known this guy outside of uh, his subtle press conferences, which are, are Bill Belichick style, where he doesn't really give anything. He doesn't have that much personality. But I wrote uh, after the second episode how it almost would make sense that there should be like a subscription service, uh, you know, whatever network the Blackhawks are on in Chicago, where you could just watch a feed of him the entire game, and and people would be. I mean, if people are willing to dish out, you know. $15 a month for HBO, which, you know, programming uh, when it's not Game of Thrones season isn't exactly stellar, and uh, it's just it's just crappy movies they play uh, 24 hours a day. So if there was something like, uh, I don't know what it is, Comcast Sports Chicago or whatever it is, was able to pay, you know, $15, $50 a month, $60 a month, who wouldn't pay that to watch Joel Quenville? Just one camera, one mic on him the entire game. Yeah, it's funny you say that because they just added um... – this thing called Comcast Chicago Plus. And uh, last night during the broadcast of the Hawks game, they had kind of a, like a quad box. If you're familiar with uh, um, the red zone, how they just kind of have four different things going on at once. Well, they just, they had like the normal audio and then they had four different camera angles, like an overhead view or a reverse angle. And it was just like all the angles that they have in the truck kind of broadcasting all at once. Um, made me a little bit dizzy, but they didn't have like a Coach Q cam or a Coach Q mic, which is what I really need. I don't need Coach Q cam so much. I just want to know what he's saying. <laughs> uh, because, I mean, his, I've never seen somebody drop the volume of F-bombs uh, that Coach Q does and still make it sound eloquent. Like he just <laughs> he does it in a way where it's just so lovable. And it's like, yep, that was the perfect way to say that. Well, well done, well done, Q. <laughs> and uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss a little bit of that of uh, the behind-the-scenes language of Coach Q. And I wish that, like you said, there was a, a channel that you could have him mic'd up all the time. It, it was that was the best part of uh, that show for me. Well, you go back to the to the third episode when uh, they're showing everyone with their families during the holidays, and he's on this uh, he's in Vail, Colorado, with his family skiing, and he couldn't have been a more you know quieter, subtle family guy. And you see these you know his relatives, and uh, I, I mean obviously they they must know you know how how wild and nuts he is uh, away from the camera and a microphone usually, but or maybe they don't. Yeah, that's the thing I was saying. Maybe they don't, and they turn on ethics, and this guy is just an animal, and. Uh, in the fourth episode, the final episode, where they're showing sort of a split screen with him and Trotz, and there's coaching styles, and uh, both teams' comebacks uh, last Monday. And then when they win that game, I mean, uh, 
I wrote down, you know, him just, you know, t- going wild and just the, 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 hey, what the fuck that he says over and yeah. over. That, that's his go-to, but uh, his holy yeah. fuck, that's a big win, which he repeated, to, you yeah. know, to every single guy well, that came off the bench like, was just great. I don't even know what he said uh, when he was running back. Like, so they got the win in a shootout versus Nashville. And they, like you said, they were down 3-0 in that game. They came back at one great game uh, against a couple teams vying for first place in the Central. So big game. All that, but he's like in the hallway by himself, and he <laughs> yelled, "Jigger" with a J, "Jigger." When I emphasize that, Bucky, I have no idea what that means, but it's like another little coach cueism that I've never heard before this show, and now I'm gonna work it into, you know, my vernacular. I'm just gonna say it all the time about anything that you know that happens good. <laughs> it's Jigger Bucky or peanut butter. Like those, those are the two takeaways from this show. Uh, that I'll that I'll be working into uh, into blogs and things like that because he just stole the show because he there's all those little quirks and the language and made up phrases and he was he was great. And the the thing is, uh, in that tunnel scene where you know he he leaves the bench after they win the shootout and he's just going nuts, uh, holy fuck everywhere and. He's greeting every guy as they come down the tunnel, and he has, you know, nice work to this guy, you know, great back check to this guy, Crow, great game. And then he's like, Anthony, great job. It's like the guy didn't do anything but sit there with a baseball hat on. He's all fired up for it. Moral support from the finished guy, the backup goalie, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Coach Q, and I, I think uh, the most telling thing of that opening scene is you watch both teams uh, erase a big deficit and come back, and the Blackhawks finish the job and the Capitals don't against the Islanders. And uh, it's just sort of telling because we've talked, you know, every time we've done a podcast together, we talk about how, you know, I'm so amazed at the Blackhawks' ability to always be in a game. They always come back. um, They they come back against the Predators there. And and when we get to Winter Classic, they come back to tie that game up 2-0. And I don't think there was anyone watching that game who thought differently that the Blackhawks wouldn't find a way to make that 2-2. But uh, in that opening scene, Coach Q, someone says, you know, hey, Coach, how do you feel about that one? And he says, no, uh, nobody likes winning more than me. And I think that's the really telling, the telling part about the difference between uh, the Blackhawks and who they've been over the last four to five years and who the Capitals have been because they've been the team that always seems to make it interesting and then they let you down or they let their fans down and they always seem to choke yeah. when it matters most. And I, I think that's what I took away the most between uh, – you know, Coach Q and Coach Trotz, and, and even though he's a new face in Washington, it just feels like that same team, that same demeanor, that same culture with that team. See, I, I will disagree with you there. I don't know what they were before, um, but they play a little bit different brand of hockey under Barry Trotz. I know you love Trotz, though. I do love Barry Trotz, and <laughs> uh, I think that he'll have them in the playoffs one way or another. It'll probably end, I think they're in third place right now. I bet you they'll, they end up being a wild card because I think the Rangers and maybe Columbus and some of these other teams that started uh, a little bit slow will we'll pass them by. But I, I really think Trotz is, is the real deal. They're, they're, and then Q in one of the other episodes, and I think I, I saw a separate episode with uh, Patrick Kane, because uh, that's the second time the Caps have, have gotten the Hawks this year. They beat us uh, at home October and November. And uh, so they and they admitted that it was like, hey, this is this is a different team. This is a little bit tougher team to play against, and they are. So they're not as as, as running gun as they used to be, or they're not a team that quits as much. I still think in a in a playoff series, the Hawks beat them in five. Um, but I think they're a little bit better. I think you know they're a little bit deeper, a little bit nastier. They they made uh they really 
showed uh, Tom Wilson and uh, Michael Latta a couple of plugs, but they uh, they add some toughness to that team and a little bit of an element that they never really had. So I think Trotz will. Uh, I think he's done a good job, and uh, and I think they are a little bit different. I think Ovechkin's probably the same. Like I don't think you can win the cup with Ovechkin as your captain and best player, but I think that they'll be back uh, back in the playoffs. Well, uh, before we get to the Winter Classic and what happened there, and they, they have the, the family skates and the pregame skates the day before, and and uh, Patrick Kane, his dad's there, who's like a, a bigger, like a stockier version of Kane, and it got me thinking that as soon as Kane's hockey career is over, I give it like one to two years before he's just like let himself loose and is just this, I, I just picture him being like a fat guy within five years of him retiring. I, I could see that too, and uh, he's already... And I don't, his dad doesn't have a hair on his head, uh, and and, Kay, and Kane's starting to go that route as well. Like a couple of those shots where uh, the cameras, like where he's sitting down getting dressed, the camera's kind of over his head. He, it, he looks like he's going like the Bobby Hull route, where <laughs> the hair's going real thin up top, but he's still gonna have the uh, like the flow coming out of the back. Maybe I don't know if you know Ally. Yeah, Green. he he. Had, I mean, his hair was just. Other guy, where it's like you're gonna, he's still gonna have like the long kind of mullet, but a comb over to go with it. So he's he's too rich and too young to have hair like that. He's got to get to Bosley or or Rogaine or something because that's that's really unacceptable for a 26 year old guy to be losing his hair like that. I feel like in I Afraidy stands, if he didn't you know have a 120 mile hour bomb, uh, whatever he was doing, it almost looked like he lost the bet because he had that like little piece in the front and then nothing and then yeah. just flow out yeah. the bag. It was just a disaster. Oh, he had probably the worst hair in NHL history. But like you said, like he shot the puck you know, 115 miles an hour. So yeah, <laughs> I don't think he cared. He'd let, that, let the mullet fly in the breeze and, and be uh, aerodynamic up top. So yeah, he was something else. Well, with the actual game on New Year's Day, uh, you know, when just about as every Winter Classic has gone, where uh, it's a tight game, and, and, then, and then there's a you know a, a weird finish, or, or actually a fantastic finish in some sense, because usually these games end in overtime or shootout, and I thought we'd get that same thing again, and then the crappy Washington goal with 12 seconds left ruined that. But uh, when the Blackhawks are down two nothing, I mean, was there ever a doubt in your mind they were going to find a way to tie that game? It just seems like that's the way Blackhawks games go. Yeah, I, I, like you said earlier, and we've talked about, you never feel like they're out of it, especially against uh, against Washington. Uh, so I thought they'd come back. Really disappointed to uh, give up that one to Brower. Uh, a little bit of a soft goal, if you ask me, and Crawford. Uh, so that was a little, you know, it, it's it's just two points, but it is a little bit special. So you want to win that Winter Classic, um, but didn't quite get the job done. That hook that they called. Um, late in the third, to give the cast the power play was atrocious. Like that was probably the weakest call I've ever seen in a big spot late in the game. Um, and then uh, the the other thing that kind of flew under the radar from that game was Versteeg blocked a shot with his hand uh, early in the third and, and didn't return. It sounds like he's going to be out for uh, four to six weeks. So, um, so that that kind of hurt him, kind of messed up their lines. He's been playing great hockey, so. Who knows? Uh, but that, that's hockey. You know, guys get dinged up and uh, uh, affect the outcome of the game. So a, couple, a bad call, a bad uh, injury, and, and a bad goal. So you can't, uh, you know, if you pile those things up, you're going to lose. So what are you going to do? 
Uh, just two points, two points against a team in the other conference, not that big of a deal. You mentioned how uh, you want to win that one because it does feel different, it does feel bigger, and uh, maybe it's all the hype and this show that goes into it. But uh, when you look at the faces of the Blackhawks in the locker room after, it looked like they just got eliminated from the playoffs or something, and I think they felt that same thing that because there's so much put into this one game and this one day, uh, it does you know it does feel a little extra special when you win, and maybe that's why the Capitals you know were acting like they had just won the cup. Yeah, I mean, the capital celebration on the ice was outrageous. But it does feel a little bigger. Um, and, but I do think that, like we talked about, nobody likes winning more than Q, and I think that permeates through, through the whole team. So when they do lose, I think they take it hard. Um, I so I don't think that scene after the game that they lost is all that different from uh, from their other losses. They don't like to lose, and they don't do it often. Um so I think that's that's why they're great. That they just will do what it takes to find a way to win. And when they don't, it doesn't. They don't just sit, sit back and go, "Oh well." Like no, like they're the Hawks, and they, they they got winners on that team. They got a lot of guys that love to win. So, uh, so yeah, I don't I don't think that they treat that loss too much differently than than any other loss. I think the biggest uh, disappointment. Uh, a few years ago when the Rangers and Flyers were on the show on HBO, is that once it's over, it's kind of a letdown because you look forward to the next few games and then you think about you know how they'll be portrayed on the show. And then to not have that anymore is kind of a dagger because you've gotten so used to it for a month. And, and it's right when the season really gets going and, and after the new year, the first half is pretty much over and teams look you know, to build upon their lead or to chase in the standings. And uh, it just comes at a, at a difficult time when the show ends because it's right when you're starting to get used to having this, this thing to look forward to every week, a behind-the-scenes look at the team, and then it's it's over just like that. I I agree with you every year about that, for every year except this year. I thought it was kind of a pain in the butt to uh, find it on Epic and watch it on your computer or whatever. Um, so I... I I don't really care this year. I thought HBO <laughs> historically had done a better job. And then just having it on demand, accessible, and or watching it live or on DVR, it's so much easier than, you know, putzing around and trying to live stream it during games on your computer. So, like, all, every single episode aired during a Blackhawks game. So oh, I don't that's know how bad. that worked out with the schedule, but... Um, so every Tuesday night during the stretch, the Hawks had a game. So I'd have like my laptop on the coffee table and then watching the game on the screen. So I don't know. Like I just, it just wasn't, uh, the same as in years past. So I, I personally this year won't miss it, but I completely understand what you're talking about. Um, with what you said with the Rangers and then prior years or just getting used to like getting that inside look. I will say, um, I always wish that they had done they, that. They, that they would do something like this for, for the playoffs, and like don't give teams a choice. Yeah, all six, all sixteen teams are gonna have camera crews around, and they're gonna follow these guys and watch them play through these injuries and give us an inside look to that. I don't think the teams or players would ever agree to it, um, but if the NHL could somehow force uh, the the team's hand, I think that would be unbelievable television to have those behind-the-scenes looks during uh, a run to the Stanley Cup. Well, since uh, since the Winter Classic loss, the Blackhawks have uh, they beat Dallas in, in overtime. They were shut out by Colorado. 
And uh, when you when you look at their schedule or, or what they've played uh, through their first 40 games, and it sort of is very similar to the Rangers because they've had an eight-game winning streak just like the Rangers just had. And aside from that, that's really how they built themselves, uh, you know, or, or built or separated themselves apart in the standings is that one streak. And aside from that, you know, it's been like win two, lose one, win one, lose two, like – it's just been back and forth, and, and that's very similar to what the Rangers have gone through. So for the last month or so, the Blackhawks have, you know, they haven't really put much together or, or what we've used to seeing from them, uh, at least through this time of the year. So what are your feelings on the Blackhawks or the state of the Blackhawks right now as the New Year starts? You know, I think that I don't want to use the word complacency, but I feel like, you know, they are, they've been uh, slow starters. Like we talked about that national game, they got down 3-0. They uh, got down 2-0 against the Capitals in the Winter Classic, and they they gave up two within, I don't know, two or three minutes last night. And then, you know, they're so they're starting from behind the eight ball. And when they play desperate hockey, that's when they're at their best. But last night, I mean, they gave up two, and then they had 54 shots on goal and still got shut out. So you just can't put yourself in, uh, in that kind of position. And Barlamov, and I know the Colorado has struggled this year, um, but Parlamon and, and the Abs have always given the Hawks trouble these last four or five years just because they skate so well. They're one of the few teams in the league that can actually skate and uh, and stick with the Hawks in, in a speed game, and, and they, they did that last night. I mean, they kind of forced the Hawks to stay on the perimeter, um, and 54 shots is a ton, but... You know, they just they weren't necessarily quality chances. So that that was kind of a, a disappointing um, game last night, and a, and a disappointing trend we can call it now is uh, are these these slow starts. So hopefully, you know, the cameras get out of there. They, you know, I don't I don't want to get into this too much, but they had their uh, their trainer uh, pass away, and I think that that was um, obviously something that weighed heavily on them. Uh, especially in that Winnipeg, they came out so flat. So I think as cameras are out of there and they kind of get back to normal a little bit with uh, with hockey, uh, they'll be fine. They're they're one of the best teams in the league. Still one of the better uh, records in the league. And it's just like I said, probably in October, uh, we're kind of waiting for the playoffs. Like they'll be, we know they're in. Um, so I don't know. In the meantime, it's just kind of entertainment. Try not to get too. Uh, up or down depending on how they're playing because it really doesn't matter. Yeah, I think that's the thing with good teams and no matter what sport it is is that they know what they have to do just to get to the playoffs and then it's like sort of a a light switch and and whether that's good or bad and whether they can't turn it on and off, uh, we'll see. But um, yeah, I I do think they know what they need to do just to get in and the NHL doesn't matter if you win the conference, if you get the one seed, the six seed, the four seed, I mean – having that one extra home game in this day and age where every rink is cookie cutter and they all look and, you know, act and yeah. feel the same way. It doesn't really matter. So I feel like if they need to, you know, you know, put the pedal to the metal, they'll do it at some point. But, uh, it, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, to be in your spot, I, I would kill to be because it just seems like you know that they know what they have to do. Whereas when it comes to the Rangers, uh, I feel like no matter – how good they play right now or how good they play a month from now, it'll still take like game 80 or 81 before they finally clinch a playoff spot. <laughs> well, that, that's always kind of been their MO, uh, with the Rangers. I remember that one year, the, the year the Hawks beat the Flyers uh, in 2010, didn't the, the final spot come down to a shootout between, in the last day of the season between the Rangers and Flyers? Like that's yep. just, 
Yeah, so I feel like that, in a way, I mean, I would never want to do that, but I feel like that's entertaining, where at least you know that every game and every two points is kind of big because your team's not quite, I don't know, not quite there. But I think the Hawks, I think the Hawks will be will be fine. Um, and they've had a couple injuries, too. They had a really nice young uh, defenseman, uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, broke his kneecap, um, now Versteeg's out, and Versteeg's been nicked up before. Hosts missed a game or two, and so I, you know it, it's just kind of the, what goes on in the regular season. You get your bumps and bruises, and then uh, you just have to make sure you're in the dance. And I, I and I think that they probably will win the division. I just don't buy Nashville uh, staying up top the whole year. St. Louis seems like they've regressed a little bit, so I think the Central still belongs to the Hawks. It's a tough division. Every team is pretty good, but uh, but yeah, it's 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 about making sure you have enough left in the tank come uh, come April when it counts. I think the weirdest thing around the league is that there's not much discrepancy between you know the elite teams and the bottom feeders, and and certainly like Buffalo and you know Carolina, um, Edmonton are, are those teams now. But it seems like the, the elite teams are much more spread out, and it's not just. You know, there's not just two or three teams in each conference that you have to worry about. It's it's very deep, and it's almost like uh, once these playoffs are set in a couple months, you know, all 16 teams are, are going to be, you know, in, in a pretty good direction to maybe make a run at this thing. And you just look in at the Western Conference right now. I mean, how how good it's how good it is, and the Kings, you know, fourth in their division, Anaheim's on top, and you know they've just had an amazing season. And then the East, I mean, that Tampa Bay, Montreal, Detroit at the top of the Atlantic is, is as tough as it gets, and Boston might be looking, you know, at not even making the playoffs this year if they continue the way things are going. So I guess the league, you know, parity in the NHL is probably as good as it's been. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I think the West is – I just don't buy those other teams. I think it will be Chicago and L.A. for the third straight year uh, in the Western Conference Finals. All those other teams are seem like they're missing a piece or, or you know, they don't have the goaltending, they don't have the great defenseman. They're, they're all just kind of missing something. So I think the playoffs would be tough, but I do think L.A. and Chicago come playoff team playoff time will still be the class of the conference but you're right with the east i'm on board with that i think you can make a, a good argument for seven or eight or maybe even nine teams at this point that could win the east and, and you wouldn't be shocked i still like detroit i like tampa bay um montreal i guess and you could see the rangers getting healthy and getting hot I don't. I think the Bruins are dead in terms of being a uh, a tough contender. But they'll if they get in, they're going to be a tough out. Columbus. There's there's so many good. Didn't we mention Pittsburgh? So there there's so many good teams in the East. The parity, the the whole league. It's going to be as wide open as I can ever remember. It should be a lot of fun this year in the East. Well, the Rangers and Blackhawks don't meet for another two months, and uh, March eighth is the first time they meet. And then they meet again March 18th, so some weird, quirky scheduling there. But, uh, you know, the, uh, we'll have to talk again at that point. But uh, like you said, in Chicago now, it's freezing. you got the Hawks to look forward to. Um, and when it comes to football, you know, the Bears are in the same uh, predicament as the Giants uh, looking in at, uh, looking in from the outside on the playoffs once again. So for you guys in Chicago, I mean, I hope you're not rooting for the Patriots here. Uh, I mean, no, we're all kind of – we've been bounced. So we're done. Uh, sit back and watch. I, I, I like the Pats. Um, I'd love to see a, a Patriots-Cowboys Super Bowl. I think that'd be fun. Uh, or Patriots-Seahawks. Like, I hate the Ravens with a passion. 
for all their off-field stuff, so I can't, uh, I won't be rooting for them. But yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not uh, locked into any team in particular at this point. The Bears in the toilet. <laughs> I can't. Ima- I can imagine that. I-, I feel like here everyone's, you know, hoping that the Packers win, but I have a feeling that's not the case out there. Oh no! I mean, we we can't stand the Packers. I I think what is that? It's Packers Cowboys this week. I think the Packers win that pretty easily, but fingers crossed uh, that Seattle takes care of Aaron Rodgers because we. I can't stomach another Aaron Rodgers Super Bowl. Won't have it. <laughs> can't have it, won't have it. So, All right, Ryan. Well, we'll talk again. Uh, we'll have to talk again before this uh, this Rangers-Blackhawks, uh, their two meetings in March. And uh, hopefully by then the Rangers are, are still playing the way they are now and uh, we'll, ha- we'll have a good game like we've had the last couple of years between these two teams. Yeah, I hope so. A couple of, a couple of fast hockey teams. So I, I'd love to see that too. All right, I'll talk to you later. All right, thanks, Neil.